usually locate fear on earth, the unearthed part of our name is the metaphor. Most of what we do is quote-unquote uncover untold or rarely told stories about the history of the Cape Fear region. Well, this week, Unearth gets literal. This episode was sparked by a Facebook post I saw in early April by a group called the Cape Fear Explorers. Founded by Brunswick County native Kevin Mercer in 2018, the nonprofit group includes a half dozen or so local amateur historians, dare I call them archaeologists, whose passion is searching for artifacts in the Wilmington area using metal detectors, diving gear, and other methods. Mercer, who grew up watching his father search for artifacts in the woods and waterways of Brunswick County, told me about all the amazing finds he and members of his group have made over the years. We'll get to them in more detail later, but a small sampling he showed me includes some of the hundreds of old coins he's found, including foreign coins from the 1700s. British military uniform buttons from the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812, and even a gold ring with a bloodstone dating to 1862, possibly worn by a military officer. All were found at former settlements or military encampments near and in Wilmington. Which brings us to the very curious and possibly very important find that sparked this episode. This is Cape Fear Unearthed the podcast exploring the legends, historical oddities, and landmark stories of southeastern North Carolina. I'm your host, John Staten, and I'm a reporter with the Star News here in Wilmington. We're a net paper that's part of the USA Today Network. In early April, Elton Franks, a native of Wilson County who moved to the Wilmington area about three years ago, was doing some metal detecting with a couple of his friends near Town Creek off North Carolina 133 in Brunswick County. Franks got a hit, and he dug up what he initially thought was a coin, maybe a King George copper or a British penny. Before the United States started minting its own money in the 1790s, people here used British and other foreign forms of currency, like these so-called King George coppers. These types of coins are pretty rare, but people who know how and where to look for them find them all the time. After looking at his find, Franks said he knew it wasn't a King George copper, but he didn't know what it was. There's a picture of King George on the front of the coin-like object, which is about twice as big as a quarter. On the back is an image, a figure, presumably a Native American, shooting a bow and arrow. Franks called his friends over, but they didn't know what it was either. They put a picture of it on Facebook, and before long, they got an answer. Franks' find appears to be what's known as a Native American peace medal, dating to around 1715. Only around 700 of the bronze medals are thought to have been made, Franks told me, and only around 30 are currently accounted for, including his find. The medals were given, to, were given to Native American tribes by English colonists as a way of sealing or helping establish alliances. Most of the medals were given out in the north, Franks said, and this is the first one to have been discovered south of Pennsylvania. It's possible, Franks told me, that the medal was issued during the course of the Tuscarora Wars in North Carolina between 1711 and 1715 or the Yamasee War in 1715 and 1716 in South Carolina. Both were pivotal and very bloody conflicts between English colonists and Native Americans, including former Cape Fear Indians, or the Wacom, of whom little is known. In that sense, the find is a possible link to, to the Native Americans who were all but gone from the Cape Fear region by the mid-1700s. How the metal wound up along the banks of Town Creek near the former Charlestown and Brunswicktown settlements, however, remain a mystery, at least for now. 
Now, Frank isn't a member of the Cape Fear Explorers, or at least he wasn't when his find was made. After we recorded this episode, he told Mercer he'd like to become an official CFE, as they're known. But Frank's not being an official member of the group didn't dampen Kevin Mercer's excitement for publicizing what Frank's had found. And so, using this recent find as a kind of a hook, let's get to know these two members of Wilmington's historical community a little bit better. They're part of a larger group of men and women who aren't content to learn about history only through books, though they do plenty of historical research, and at least in Mercer's case, aim to find and preserve all manner of historical documents and volumes. Of course, you're required to get permission to search for artifacts, be it on private or public land. Anything that comes out of a waterway, Mercer told me, automatically belongs to the state of North Carolina. Franks told me that people often call people like him treasure hunters, but he said he doesn't like that term, mainly because he's never sold anything he's found. Even though other Native American peace medals have been auctioned off in the mid to high four-figure range, Frank said he has no plans to sell the medal, which he has sent off to have preserved. He, has, he told me he wants to keep it in North Carolina. But what really struck me during my conversation with Mercer and Franks is how passionate they are about area history and how excited they get to uncover pieces of it. All right, so I am here with Kevin Mercer. He's the founder of Cape Fear Explorers here in the Wilmington area. And Elton Franks, he is a amateur historian uh, and he likes to go out and find artifacts and so does Kevin. So um, let's start with Kevin. Kevin, tell me a little bit about Cape Fear Explorers. You know, when you founded it, kind of what you guys do. Okay, uh, we were started probably a couple years ago. Uh, we're an organization that dedicated to the saving and preservation of endangered North Carolina artifacts. Um, we, ins we inspired a we aim to inspire our community through our discovery so that they can see history maybe in the past, but it's still something that you can hold in your hand today. Um, basically, you know, a lot of endangered artifacts are being destroyed right now or lost, you know, through all the construction and, yeah. you know, remodeling. Just, you know, every time they put up a new building somewhere, there's a good chance that there's some artifacts being, you know, being lost, you know, being covered up by, by pavement or concrete. You know, so it's, it's pretty important to get out there and kind of save the artifacts because, yeah. you know, they tell a lot about, you know, our past. They tell, you know, they'll give us some insight into, you know, the people back then and the culture back then. Um, you know, so it, it is really important to be able to save those pieces. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about how you got into this um, um, hobby. I guess, you, I don't know if you call it a hobby or work or both, or tell me a little bit about how you got into it in the first place and kind of what kind of uh, has kept you interested. Okay, so... Um, I got started probably, well, I got started when I was a kid. My mom and my dad both. Uh, my dad was an avid scuba diver, and both my parents were big into metal detecting and uh, bottle digging. My dad was uh, part of the, the bottle club up here in Wilmington. Uh, I used to go with him as a kid and watch him dig out the old privies, the outhouses, and uh, watch him pull up all the bottles. And I would go down to the waterfront, watch my dad, you know, come out the river with, you know, stuff that he would find out there, you know. Basically, it was just, you know, out in the rivers, you, you're diving around old docks, and there's people, you know, in the path with, you know, it's trash to them. You know, there was old bottles that they got done drinking, and they threw off the dock. And right. So we're going down there picking up, you know, one man's trash is one man's treasure. Right, right. You know? yeah. So that's kind of how that went. And uh, just, you know, going out with my parents all the time as a kid just kind of led me into it. And then when I got my license at 16, I think, uh, I just started doing it on my own, you know, driving around and Finding stuff like that, um, 
and I've just been doing it ever since. Just been a passion of mine ever since. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about some of the things you found over the years. Some of the more interesting or maybe more uncommon things. Um. Well, I think one of my favorite things is probably the Spanish olive jar that I found in Southport at the waterfront. Uh, I found that in about 2000 and I think I found it about 2014, something like that. Wow. And uh, 2014, 2015, I, I found it. Um, and I, at first I wasn't exactly sure what it was. I kind of had an idea. I knew it looked like an amphora. Uh, so I started doing some research on amphoras, kind of find out it was a Spanish olive jar and it was from the 1600s. Um, they, the museum said it's probably one of the oldest artifacts, you know, to come out of the North Carolina waters. It's wow. not the oldest artifact come out of North Carolina waters, you know, besides maybe if you were to find like some Indian artifacts out at the water, you know. Yeah. But um, but that's probably one of my one of my favorite finds. And that's actually at the North Carolina Maritime Museum now. In Southport. It's in Southport, yes, sir. And they have that. Uh, they they had they do have that on display. Um, I also found a um, a steamship whistle that was out there in the waterfront, and uh, that's been given to the museum as well. Uh, the right now that one's not on display. They had plans to put it on display this year, but then when COVID and everything, they haven't been able to have anybody come in and yeah. actually set up the displays for them yet. They have a company, I guess, that does that, but. Um, <clears throat> You know, a few other finds. Um, a lot of, I found a lot of you know good bottles over the years. You know, maybe just digging old site, digging at old you know plantation sites, stuff like yeah. that. We found a lot of bottles. Doing um, a few previews, we found some good bottles. Uh, one of my favorite bottles is probably a, uh, it's a jug. It's probably dates around 1780, 1780, 1790. I'd say it's a uh, it's a one gallon. It's, it was a guy, made by a guy named Thomas Comerall. Yeah. And he was a, 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 he was a potter out of Manhattan, New York. And that piece had a, what's called a tassel and drape design on it. It kind of looks like a sideways eight. Right. It has little tassels kind of painted on the side of it. The cool thing about that piece was you could tell was he was supposed to be a master potter. And all the pieces you see of his are like just, you know, they're perfect examples. Yeah. You know, there's no really, he hardly ever has any flaws in any of his artwork or in any of his pieces, which is, I guess, artwork in a sense. But um, this piece was actually very crude. It's one of the only ones I've seen of his that was really crude. Yep. The lip was falling down. There was uh, quite a few air bubbles that had popped in it, you know, when he fired it. Um, so it kind of led me to believe it was, you know, one of his earlier pieces because it was so crude. Um, yeah, it you know, he, sense. He, he started in like 1780. I think he went all the way up to like 1830, 1820, 1830s. He, you know, to retired, I'm assuming, or passed away. But uh, that had, I'm pretty sure that had to be one of his earlier pieces. Plus, with the uh, the tassel and drape design was, you know, of that period, and the uh, the glazing that he used was more of a for as far as the design, instead of using like a blue glaze. It was actually like a reddish brown glaze. Okay. So that kind of gave me an idea that it was an earlier piece as yeah. well. And you found that in the river or you found that? Yeah, I found that in the river. Well, and it's and so that's how you found stuff. You either go diving or you do uh, metal detecting, right? Yeah, well, we do a little more than just metal detecting too. So we uh, also have what's called a, uh, a GPR, it's a ground penetrating radar system. Okay. And uh, we can kind of go out, we can map out, you know, you can. there's actually programs that you can go and 
put into the GPR with software and then you can like map out a whole site and you can see like you know if there's a foundation in the ground wow. it'll map out and it'll show you the foundation um, we can find previews with that we can find old wells with that you know most of the time people are using to find utilities and stuff like that yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we use it for more of an archaeological sense um, but we do that as well uh, we dig out, you know, like I said, we do, we'll dig out privies and stuff like that as well to find bottles and artifacts. Uh, you can find old trash dumps is always a really good, good place okay, to yeah, find artifacts. Yeah. So a lot of times with trash dumps, uh, you, you'll get to a house site. Say if you're like, if you're on a farm and a, you, know, you got the house and a the farm, then usually the trash dumps in the back side of the farm, maybe like in a ravine. Yeah. Um, I know as far as, you know, some ravines that I have dug out, there was uh the the Bell the Belleville plantation, which is right behind the Belleville Elementary School now, yep. uh, which is now in the Hawkswater, and the whole Hawkswater plantation uh, or development is sitting on top of Belleville plantation. That was one of the best places around here ever, uh, huh. as far as artifacts being found. That place was amazing. You know, unfortunately, you know, uh, all that's been covered up yep. now by you know houses. Uh, luckily, you know. There was a lot of people that were able to get in there and save a lot of those artifacts before yeah. they were completely lost. But uh, I remember when I first got in there, there was some, before any of the houses got put in there, uh, they had just started clearing the land. We found this ravine, and the ravine was just full of bottles. Wow. Uh, there was, I thought we only got a handful of bottles that were actually whole. They, you know, they were all open bottle, early yeah. 1800s, late 1700s. And, uh, but it was it looked like probably some kid that said there was a rock back in the day and just <laughs> rock down there. Yeah. Everything was just shattered. I mean, wow. it was just like it was just full of glass. Yeah. Um, we did get a few, you know, that were holding there, like small medicine bottles, something like that. But uh, yeah, so ravines is a great place to look for, you know, like yeah. old house sites, uh, you know, for for bottles and trash, little trash bits. Anywhere like the low areas of where you want to okay. look for for trash. Yeah. Now let's bring Elton in because um, where you found your most recent kind of find. Uh, wasn't too far from there. wasn't too far from Belleville. Um, I think you were in Town Creek. Um, mm -hmm. You're uh, metal detecting. So first of all, tell me what it was that you found, and then let's talk about maybe how you found it, and then it's uh, significant. Okay. Well, basically, yeah, I was uh, metal detecting with a couple of friends, and we actually uh, went onto this. There was a little knoll right by the creek, and uh, so we actually just. I mean, we were getting no iron signals from a house or anything like that. So yeah. it was kind of like we kind of passed through it really quick. Uh, but I did have a couple of little hits, and most of them were like little shotgun shells and stuff like that. But uh, I, they were ahead of me, and basically I did get a good good hit. And I, and I was thinking to myself when I dug it up, there was going to be another shotgun shell. Right. And uh, But anyway, when I pulled it out, the, I mean... It came up as a, a, a disc, and I would say probably it's about two and a half, three inches round. Yeah. Uh, I had a picture of a, a, a king on it, yeah. King George. And, he and was, you thought it was a coin at first. I you thought, thought it was, was like a, which thought, are a little more common, maybe. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a King George copper at first. And uh, so anyway, I'm not really, I'm kind of new for digging up colonial artifacts. So I hollered for my friend to come back, and he said he could uh, identify it for me. And when he put it in his hand and looked at it, he said, I've never seen anything like it before. 
Right. And uh, so basically from that point on, we kind of figured that it was something odd and something that wasn't just an everyday item like a coin or a button or something like that. Right. Um, but it, it, it actually took somebody about you know six hours to come up to find out what it was after we posted on Facebook and ended up being a uh, King George the First. Um, it's an uh, Indian peace medal. And uh, they were issued during the reign of King George of 1714 to 1727. Yeah, so we think that's somewhere from the 17-teens, basically. Mm-hmm. And I... And I think thing you, I've ever found so far. Wow. And you think you told me... <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think you told me that there was... In the research you've done, there were maybe 700 of these made altogether, but there's only been around 30 that have been... Uh, around 30 has been found so yeah. far today. And most of them have been found around New York and Pennsylvania when they were digging up uh, Manhattan when they were yeah. moving Indian graves. But this is the first one that's been found in North Carolina that you first know of. Wow. Carolina. And this and, and that's why it's interesting to me is that it's just... That takes us back to a time when there were Native Americans in this area, right? And I think Kevin was telling me by 1730s, 1740s, you know, the Native Americans in the Wilmington area were pretty much gone. Yeah. By the mid-1700s, most of them were gone. And, you yeah. Know, and went to South Carolina at that point. <clears throat> yeah, and so... Yeah, it was found an area between, you know, around Jane, uh, Charlestown and Brunswicktown. Yeah. So, I mean, this predates Brunswicktown. Wow. That's so, inter- yeah, that is really interesting. And so, Ellen, tell me a little bit about how you said you're from the Wilson area. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit how you got into, uh, sounds like a little bit like Kevin, you kind of got into, you know, finding these artifacts when you were a little kid and you kind of stuck well, with it. Well, basically, I mean, yeah, I, uh, back when I was 12 years old, I mean, I was doing genealogy uh, for family history and I did that, you know, as a teenager and kind of spent I was kind of like a bookworm, yeah. uh, learning, and I always, always love history, all types of history, and uh, but basically, you know, I got into, you know, got it with uh, Mr. Hubie Johnson Jr. He was a local historian and professor at Atlanta Christian College in Wilson, and uh, he would carry me out. We'd go look at arrowheads and stuff like that, and pottery, and we were lucky enough in Wilson there we had a, a part of the Tuscarora tribe there was part of the Toys Mock. Uh, which is, you know, Toy Snot Park and everything. It's all, you know, everything around there is Indian named. Yeah. Um, Katitney Creek is another Indian name of that area. But then my wife passed away and I moved this way. Um, I met a, a beautiful lady here in Wilmington and married her. And I've been living here about three years now, but just started around January, February of this year, starting Metal Tech again. Yeah. I kind of took about a three, four year break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, it sounds like there's quite a community of, uh, you know, guys that do what y'all do around here. I mean, how many people would you say in this area, or, you know, regularly, I guess you go out to different sites and uh, you see people and you kind of uh, keep yeah. up with people. Obviously, <laughs> y'all are on Facebook sharing stuff that you find and seeing stuff other people find. Yeah, I've, I've met quite a few people in the woods. You know, they've them, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I've had I've had a guy pull it one time. I've, I actually had permission to metal take this site, and I guess he didn't because when I pulled up, he just took off running. Right. And I pulled up, I could see him with his metal detector, you know, yeah. and I was like, man, this guy's on my site. And I'm like, well, I guess he has permission too. And uh, he just took off running through the woods. He left his four wheeler and everything. He just like darted through the woods. It was mm-hmm. funny, and we got to talking and everything. And we dug the site together after that. Um, you know, yeah. but yeah, but we, I've I've met quite a few people in the woods. Um, one of the guys that uh, you know, one of my became one of my best or one of my best friends. Now we've been friends for for a long time now. His name's Thomas Deacons. 
Uh, I met him in metal detection. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> the guy that introduced me to Thomas uh, actually met him in the woods metal detection. <laughs> and uh, met this other guy, one of, one of my best friends, metal detecting in the woods. Um, so you, meet, you do meet a lot of people out there yeah. in the field. Um, you know, I'd say all together, I mean, there's a there's a lot, there's a quite a few people that metal detect around here. I mean, yeah. you got to figure the people that I don't even know, but I mean, I can, sure. probably, I can probably name at least 20 or 30 right yeah. now that I know of that dig around here. Yeah. And so you got to figure all the people that, that we don't know, so maybe 50 or 60 at least. Yeah, people, and then that's uh, like, and you bring up the point really too that you know you can't just go anywhere, right? I mean, that's right. whether it's private property private or property. you know all different kinds of things, you yeah. uh, you get permission, and then uh, well, you do research. Yeah, you got to research an area first to find out if you because we're doing just, yeah, yeah, you yeah. just want to go out there, dig around in places that don't have anything. And another thing I like to say about the uh, what we were talking about earlier, you know, as far as diving in the river, yeah, um, you know, the the everything here. Um, in, in the waters, you know, unless you're going to think it's three or four miles offshore, yeah. is considered state property. Yeah. Um, so technically, you know, you're not really, you're not supposed to, um, it is technically illegal to, to pull artifacts out of the water. Right. Now, with that being said, um, you know, I guess the state, the state does, I think, I feel like the state does know, or certain people in the state, they know that I'm not, I don't, I don't go out there diving and pulling anything yeah. off of shipwrecks because, right, right. you know, the shipwrecks are, you know, they're, they're historic sites, right. yep. you know, and, and if you go out and just have everybody going out there diving and are pulling artifacts off of a shipwreck, what you do is you, you, you it's very easy to lose that site because the first yeah. thing that usually go where it's, you know, like the, the anchor or the canyon, cannons, or, you know, stuff like that, the big targets, you yeah. know, they'll be likely to go first. And so what that does is, is, you know, you essentially lose the site because say you pull the cannon up, say you pull the anchor off of a ship and that was the only big metal object down there. Now that you got researchers coming in, the state tries to come in and they want to find that site, yeah, yeah. You know, they're going to use a magnetometer, you know, most likely, you know, especially if it's an old wooden ship or maybe this, you know, the, you can't really see it there on yeah. the side scan anymore. So you use a magnetometer and now, you know, that only big metal object is gone and, yeah. you know, you're going to miss it. You know, so you know a lot of a lot of sites have been lost because of that. Uh, the laws that were uh, made up uh, against, against taking off stuff from shipwrecks and you know, out of our waters, I think, came about in like the '80s, and uh, it was really after uh, Mel Fisher had found the Atosha, and everybody went just like treasure hunting. Right? Yeah, right. So then you had a bunch of people from Florida coming up to you know this is the graveyard of the Atlantic. Yeah. So you had a bunch of people come up, and they were you know just diving our shipwrecks, and they were taking everything back to Florida. So in North Carolina, I was like, well, we got we to gotta make some laws about this, you know, to keep people from doing it. So they do that. So, you know, the stuff that I find, the, the, the two objects that I have found that came off of a shipwreck, now I didn't see any evidence of a shipwreck there, uh, but, you know, things that I felt like, you know, had to, like the steamship vessel, they had to come off of a wreck. Yeah. So I donated that to the museum. Yeah. Okay, the, the olive jar, it came off of a, it had to come off of a wreck. You know, somebody didn't just throw that off of a pier. Right, right. You know, that, there was nothing there in the 1600s. Right. So, that olive jar obviously came off of a wreck. I donated it to the Maritime Museum. Yeah. You know, so something well, like yeah. that that I find this historically significant that, you know, I do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And that just shows yeah. that you're responsible at what you do. And it's, and like you were telling me before, I mean, you found... I mean, like, what eras have you found stuff from? You found like you found like Revolutionary War stuff, obviously yeah, Civil War stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, I mean, the stuff that, you know, Elton found, that dates back to pre, I mean, like America wasn't even a country yet. Yeah. So it's amazing the the amount of just the age of the artifacts that you can find around here. And uh, yeah. if you really go to look for them, and if you know where to look for them, I mean, you find them. It sounds like people will find the arrowheads and stuff, too. All that stuff predates. I mean, yeah. that's, that's mostly, you know, you're getting 2,000, 3,000, 6,000 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Got like, uh, we, we usually are on... Uh, you know, do everything on private property with permission. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the historic sites are on private property. Those are the ones that are, you know, those are really the ones that are endangered. Because if you're on like state property, you know, where it's a historic site, you know, the, the, those areas they're not going to be developed. Yeah. You know, in private property, they're always being developed. You know, what's there one year, and you think ain't ever you know block of woods, you think that's going to yeah. happen. You ride by a year later, and there's apartments sitting on it you know <laughs> um so you know it's it's important that you know we're just it's important for us you know to be out here saving the history yeah you know because you know this history that's getting lost just like you know the, the bottles i pull up out the river i'm really pulling them up because you know every time we have a hurricane if you walk the waterfront after that hurricane you'll see bottles you can see bottles like you know that'll be broken wow and you're like and it like I did this last hurricane, I don't think it was Isaiah or whatever that was bad. Yep. I remember I walked around out there and I found a, uh, I found a early, early 1800s flask and uh, it was a, um, it was a historic flask. I can't remember the mo the, the design that it had on it, but it was, it was freshly broken. You know, it was broken right in half. Wow. Was, the pieces were all laying there, washed up. And I was like, man, I was like, that bottle's been down there all this time. And then this hurricane come by and it just washes up, you know. So that was something that somebody threw off a dock at one time. You know, finally, you know, I didn't ever find it. It was right in the area that I dive. But, you know, just, and then all the dredging that they do out there, you lose losing yeah. artifacts every time they dredge boat comes through there. Yeah. They got dredge boats sitting out there right now. Wow. Um, you know, so the storms, every time somebody puts a new dock out there on the waterfront, you're losing artifacts. Um, so it's just, you know, basically just trying to get out there and save artifacts. You know, we're not out there just taking stuff out of the waters or taking stuff out of, off land that, you know, we don't have permission for right. or we don't have good calls for. Yeah. Well, then, um, so Elton, tell me a little bit more about what's going to happen with with your find with the uh, with the uh, Indian Peace Medal, I guess what'd you do with that, and kind of what's going to happen with? Yeah, that? well, right now I've sent it off to uh, NGC, which is a uh, grading service yep. for uh, coins and map uh, medals, and actually they're going to uh, I've, I've I've got it being sent to conservation, um, and then they're going to put it in. They're going to barcode it and log it in and. Uh, they'll grade it the best they can. Yeah. Uh, of course, any dug artifact is considered uh, uh, environmental damage. But they'll uh, they'll log it in. They'll catalog it. They'll preserve it. They'll put it in a uh, airtight container. Um, and supposedly it'll last it forever. Yeah, uh, no, but, I believe it. Uh, what what I plan on doing with it? Of course, we've got the local uh, Tuscarora Indian tribe uh, wants to look at it. Um, we're thinking maybe it was given to them yeah. um, during peace times with uh, when the English were here and um, the Moore family of uh, Orton Plantation in Brunswicktown uh, might, might have given the medal to the Indians yeah. here. And uh, so, I mean, since it was found in this area and the only one found in North Carolina that I know of, uh, I would kind of like to keep it here. Yeah. And uh, I, I do, I think Kevin does a couple of shows where he puts artifacts out uh, yeah. on display during festivals. Yes. So uh, I'll hopefully plan on letting him put it out there for them, you know. Uh, and, and hopefully 
supposedly maybe get it to a museum around Bungertown. Excellent. That's where I would love, love for it to end up at since it was this area. Well, Elton Franks, amateur historian. You know. Kevin Mercer um, with uh, Cape Fear Explorers. Thank you so much for uh, taking time to be with me and uh, for talking about what you do and talking about the stuff you find. And, uh, Thank you for j- Just let me know uh, if you find something new, okay? We'll do it. We'll do it. That's it for this episode of Cape Fear Unearthed and our look at recent historical artifacts discovered by members of the Cape Fear Explorers and other members of the Wilmington area's community of amateur historians and archaeologists. We'll be back soon with another chapter of Wilmington history. Till then, make sure you're a member of our Facebook group where listeners can ask questions about our episodes and share their own memories of the region's history. In that group, I post extra content from each episode and links to all my coverage of local history for the Star News. You can find that group by searching Cape Fear Unearthed on Facebook. And don't forget to sign up for the Cape Fear Unearthed newsletter that goes out every Thursday. Sign up for the newsletter at starnewsonline.com newsletters. Cape Fear Unearthed was written, edited, and hosted by yours truly, John Staten. You can find more of my work at starnewsonline.com. Additional editing is done by Adam Fish. This podcast was made possible by listeners and readers like you. Support local journalism and Cape Fear Unearthed by subscribing to the Star News today at starnewsonline.com slash subscribe. And you know what? While you're subscribing to things, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or or wherever you stream this show so you never miss an episode. While you're there, leave a review, which will help more people find Cape Fear Unearthed. Till then, get out and explore the Cape Fear region on your own. You never know what you might unearth.